it's us. I'm Nicole. I'm the mom. And I'm Mira, and I'm the daughter. And uh, you had a touch of the plague. I did. I caught COVID. I assume it's Omicron because I read an article about, like, the areas of pains that they're in and what to look out for when you have Omicron, and I was like, oh good, definitely what I have. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Took me a while to recover. I was, like, sick for a couple weeks, and I did not feel so good for, like, a week or so after... And then just really tired. Yeah, so I've been, like, tired for, like, a month, it feels like. Uh, but one of my roommates was fine in, like, seven days, and the other one has pneumonia now. So that's how that's going. That's the range of uh, things that can happen. And all three of you were double-vaxxed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's good you didn't end up hospitalized. Well, not your roommate with pneumonia yet, anyways, but fingers crossed. Yay! Yay! Yay, COVID! So... We thought we would chit-chat about, um, sort of, I guess, connection, isolation, conversations, all that sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of? Human connection Human connection, yeah. And how we do it, and how COVID has affected it, and, uh, all that side of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So, why are you scared to use the phone, Mira? (laughs) Uh... Well, I think that uh, it's just nicer to take your time, man. And also, I don't, I don't want unexpected things. I don't like it when I'm on the phone with someone and they go, "Okay, what's your social insurance number?" And I'm like, "Oh crap, where's my wallet?" <laughs> I don't like that. I want the time to like receive the email that's like, "We require your social insurance number for the next step of this paperwork." Great. I have three days to go get that before you start getting angry at me. <laughs> don't you find though that it's like people in say your age group and younger I'll hear like I need to make a dentist appointment and I'm like okay phone the dentist office I don't know how to do that and it's like well there's a magical book with all the phone numbers in town or you can look it up on the computer I think it's more so that young people just never really had the thing of like landlines kind of stopped being a thing when we were young in a lot of our households like a lot of my friends stopped having landlines when probably like they're eight or nine years old kind of thing mm-hmm. so they never heard their mom on the phone making a dentist's appointment That's they never true. heard their mom on the phone making a doctor's appointment they never heard her ordering a pizza they don't know what that sounds like so they're not asking what's the phone number and how do i physically dial the phone they're saying like do what i call do and I give them say? my birth date immediately is no. there a human number like do i just immediately blurt out my social insurance number do i just go i have blue eyes and i'm five eight ah! i have counseled counseled a lot of people of being like just phone the number say i need to make a dentist appointment and the person on the other end will take it from there they will ask you the questions for the information that they need. I think that that's what it is a lot of times, Very distressing. Also, people don't know how to answer the phones. Like, all phones, whatever. A a business, even. And I get, yep. And I'm like, is this a blue sky window cleaning service? Uh Uh-huh. Could you answer your phone that way? Like... It's very That seems weird to me. Whenever I worked at a business, I would always pick up the phone like, hello, this is town name, business name. This is Mira speaking. How can I help you? Like, it's not that hard. You it's just not have to hard. go like, this is the Albuquerque Target. This is Jen. How can I help you? Like, it's what? I, it's not Hi. hard. I agree it's not hard, but I is this the Zellers? Like what? where I phone and I get, yep. And then it's just like you think, did I phone the right number? And you're looking at your phone and you're trying to figure out what's going on because it's confusing and it's, it's like no one has taught them how to answer the phone. Like I remember when I was a kid, my parents like teaching me how to answer the phone, how to answer. A lot of my core know. memories are you and grandma getting mad at me for being rude on the phone. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, you had to answer it like brown residents who's calling, please. <laughs> That was how little kids were taught to answer the phone. One time I called my friend's house, and her older brother picked up the phone and immediately started singing a rap that very heavily featured the N-word, and that was how he answered it. Poor choice. I was like, you're lucky that it's me and not somebody else, dude. Poor choice. Oh, how about answering machine, um, like, the messages? That used I get to be a lot a, of weird ones. Oh, that used to be a big thing. Of I have like, a friend whose message is still them from when they first got their very first cell phone, so it's just them at 11 being like, 
hi, this is Charlie. And, like, you call it, and you're like, is this the 27-year-old that I just met the other day? <laughs> like, it's very confusing for people that have just met him for the first time. It's so funny. People <laughs> used to leave, like, whole songs for their message. Or the Archer make, thing. Like, the I, There's a TV show, Archer, about a spy, and his phone call answering thing is always like a, Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. Hello? Hello? Okay, just text me. Click. Ah, you thought it was ah, I got you, yes. I got you, that's so funny that and then he like fake hangs up repeatedly so you keep thinking you're leaving a message and it's just beep and then you start leaving ah, got you bro, <laughs> like he's just repeatedly People it's just like a, a running joke a lot of thought of it and energy into uh, what their phone message was going to be and now it's like the phone company will do it for you if you don't leave one they'll just say yeah. you have reached and then they put in the number, please leave a message after the tone mm-hmm. and you don't have to do anything but yeah it used to be a big thing. I used to, when I was in high school, I worked Do you remember career. when you used to be able to order ringtones off of, like, the TV and stuff? Ringtones used to just be a big yes. thing, too. Phones were just a big culture for a while. I worked at a dentist office when I was in high school, so I used to have to phone people, like, that was my job, to phone mm-hmm. them and remind them of their appointment the next yeah. day, and heard all kinds of answering machine messages. I bet you did. It was quite interesting. So, I was thinking about, like, um looking at your phone when you're talking to somebody like even a few years ago that was considered rude like mm-hmm. if your phone buzzed or whatever you just wouldn't look at it when you, mm. if you were in a conversation with somebody or you know now it's totally normal that's has bypassed being rude and is now so much that people are like in a meeting at work and they will check their phone or in a full conversation and they'll check their phone or you see like you know a family out to dinner and every person at the table is on a phone or a tablet mm. there's not conversation around the dinner table it's like we're all eating together <laughs> nobody's making eye contact and we're all doing our own thing but we're all here at the table together mm. to be fair I've seen a lot of parents post online and being like if I have to give all of my kids their own iPads so that I can go sit in a restaurant for two and a half hours that's what I'm doing I don't care if they watch a B-movie like <laughs> I don't care <laughs> I know, but it's just changed. It's changed yeah, it drastically, has. and I'd, I think it's changed drastically in like the last ten years. Mm-hmm. From yeah, just our our manners around it and what's considered rude or acceptable. At or, the same time, okay. though, I think that phones have just replaced other things. It's not like people didn't check pagers in the middle of conversations. Uh, I don't think they did. Or if they did, it was like subtle. It wasn't like well, there I'm wasn't gonna... much to check. It was four numbers, well, right? <laughs> not like you had a paragraph to scroll through scroll through on a page where you just like knew you needed to call kelly after you got that like you know i'm just saying like i just think that it's been replaced by other things like it's not like you didn't walk up to someone and start a conversation when they were reading the newspaper or reading a book a hundred years ago that was just like you know it's not like that was like a don't interrupt me sign or anything like that or like you know people are have things in their hands that they're looking at and you get talked to and it interrupts conversation like you know it's it's whatever yes, but if you were in the middle of a conversation with somebody you wouldn't just pick up a newspaper and start reading it but if you were already reading the newspaper it wouldn't be weird for it to be open no. in front of you the same way that having your phone in front of you when you were having a conversation with someone isn't weird if you so look you at it when it lights up your phone in if front your of you. newspaper also lit up every time a new news story came out you'd look at it too <laughs> So, do you think that, like, like what constitutes a conversation? Like, is texting back and forth, is that a conversation? Is, like, responding to someone's social media post, is that conversation? Like, I'd say, like... It's still human connection, but is that sort of art of conversation mm, lost? I'd say if you're gonna, like, like someone's post on Facebook, if you're gonna poke them, if you're gonna comment on something, that's not a conversation. Even if you're replying back and forth for, like, whatever a little while, that's not a conversation. If you have direct messages that you regularly go back to, if you have, like, a group chat that you are regularly in, I would call that a conversation because it's something that's, like, regularly ongoing kind of thing. I don't know. I just feel like there needs to be, like, more privacy and one-on-one interaction even if it's in a group scenario you know like I wouldn't say like going hey John at a stadium when you see your friend a conversation yes but I would say going to the stadium with a group of friends and talking to them is you know it's the same kind of thing where like there needs to be some level of like privacy and closeness and it can't be like you just commenting on your friend's picture of their baby and being like wow he's so cute can't wait for coffee on Tuesday like you know like yeah yeah 
That's so not quite it's, a conversation. It's except that I always text in full sentences, which drives you crazy. Yeah, or you just text letter K, which makes me go, oh god, what did I do? Because K is the universal, like, millennial Gen Z thing of, like, you've done something wrong, they're mad at you. The K, capital K with a period, is, like, something bad just happened and you're in for the shit. And every once in a while, it'll be, like, paragraph, 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 full punctuation, accurate grammar, K. And I'll be like, fuck, every time you text it to me. I'll start using the thumbs up instead. (laughs) And then I have to be like, my mom's not that young. She's not mad at me. If she was mad at me, she'd be like, that was a dick move. (laughs) I would say that, but um, it drives me nuts when I get texts that are like, like, you are? That is not a word. And how much harder is it to type four letters than two? I only do you are when I'm trying to make a joke. I'll send someone like, you're lame or something like that. And it's just supposed it's to, like, the typo's supposed to be part of the funniness, you know? Do you, are you that bad at spelling? Well, I don't know what's going on here. Are you uneducated? I mean, back in T9 days, when like, you know, you had the phone with the keypad that had the letters on it and you had to click through to get to D, you know, and you had to click yes. through all of it. It made sense then to shorten everything. Yeah. The T-T-Y-L-B-R-B, you are like, it made sense. Now. But now we have full keyboards. Everything is touch screens. We went through the phase where we had full physical keyboards, the little slide out phones and Blackberries, and now you can touch them. Yeah. You can even buy fancy styluses so you don't have to touch them. I know. Be better at spelling. A we co- have spell check. A coworker of mine, she, this was a few years ago, but she was um, texting her husband, and she's like, every time I text him, he answers, busy ATM. <laughs> And she was like, why is he taking out so much money at the ATM? He's going to drain our bank account. I've texted him five times today, and he's been at the ATM every single time. So, yeah. Then she found out. Texting gap. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, she's mad. Right? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then there's the thing, too, of, like, the anxiety that's created when you don't get an answer. You text somebody or you post mm-hmm. on their social media and then you're like, didn't they see it? Are they busy? Are they ignoring me? And then misread or reread what I said because did I say something that could be misinterpreted? Did I, you know? Mm. And it's all the uh, anxiety that comes back of like, why aren't they answering? Why aren't they answering? I mm. see that they saw it two days ago and they're not answering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, too, there's a lot of pressure to, like, for social media stuff to only post things that are, like, funny or picture perfect or it's an accomplishment or it's engaging somehow. Like, mm-hmm. you don't post wearing my blue socks to work today. Like, you don't post your... <laughs> I post all my medical problems because I'm just like, this is my life, bro. <laughs> But it's not, you know, people don't tend to post, yep, here's a liver picture of my living room that's completely torn apart like it is every day because yeah, we're I human and kids. this is how our living room looks. <laughs> it's got to be the when it's, you know, it yeah. looks beautiful and looks like it should be from a magazine cover so mm-hmm. that everybody else can think, my living room doesn't look like that. Should <laughs> I be cleaning more? Oh my gosh, we've got too, stuff, too much stuff. I need to Marie Kondo everything. <laughs> So I think that's a real, it's a pressure to post a fake life, basically. Mm, Yes. And so is that real? Is that real human interaction when it's, when it's maybe not real? You're presenting some, I don't know, alternate version that you would like to be real, but I think you need to be careful with social media, right? Like I make a very hard point to follow like disabled women, black women, people of color, you know, like I... I make it a point to fill my page with people who are like, I do not Photoshop my body. I do not filter my face. I, you know, I try to fill my feed with people who look real and present real life experiences. Mm -hmm. People who will literally post about like, I look this tired because my baby had a horrible blowout at 4am and this is what life as a mother is like. (laughs) Like, you know, I appreciate the realness. I appreciate seeing that people's lives are just real things that they're living because it does feel surreal when you feel like your neighbor is living the same life as Kim Kardashian. It's not accurate. That's not what's really happening in the real world. And it's better to fill yourself and your, you know, fill your mind and your feet and your soul and everything, you know, with, like, good vibes and real people and actual things that are happening. Mm Because, like, the whole celebrity chasing thing and, like, chasing that, like, ultimate it girl kind of thing, like, it's just 
not a realistic thing. Great to have goals, 100% stand by it if you have like an aesthetic or something that you're trying to aim for, but it's just not realistic to, you know, compare yourself to these people that literally have like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on just makeup artists for their lounging at home Saturday Instagram pics. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a realistic thing. There's a woman that I follow online and there's a few of them actually who were like models for a while and stuff and now they're just like don't photoshop my body don't care about what i eat like you Mm -hmm. know this is just me existing in my body the way it is kind of thing and it's like that's so nice and there was even a lady a while ago who was like her whole feed is like this is how my body looks she doesn't edit out her stretch marks she doesn't you know try Mm -hmm. to pose in any kind of like extra sexy way and she did like a lingerie photo shoot a while ago and she got a whole bunch of comments from people being like love this love you your underwear is on backwards <laughs> and she just reposted the like another picture with the underwear on front ways and then like her turned around and being like i thought that this bow looked weird like coming up <laughs> over my natural waist and being on my stomach and it turns out it's supposed to like be over your butt and that definitely looks cuter but i feel like an idiot now thanks for pointing that out and it's just like she didn't delete that picture she yeah. didn't delete all the comments she was just like haha i'm dumb look at this <laughs> And like, I appreciate that. I appreciate the reality of the situation because that happens sometimes. Sometimes you just look at something and go, I don't know how this goes. (laughs) Except instead of like showing up at work with your shirt on at backwards, you posted it for for literally a couple million people to check out. I thought it was funny. (laughs) It just made me laugh. uh, Well, I think too that like, I mean, you know, texting and stuff and things like that, it's useful. It's easy to get a quick answer. All my in-laws live in other countries, so it's, mm-hmm. like, easy to A lot of my friends live in America, so I just, you know, yeah. not going to visit anytime soon. <laughs> get a, get an answer or to, like, FaceTime with them or whatever. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff is super useful, but it's, I don't know, it's, like, it should work alongside proper conversations, not mm-hmm. replace them. And I think sometimes it's, it replaces them. Well, especially, like, with COVID, because people were forced (laughs) to rely on you know FaceTime and that kind of thing as um and Zoom and all that kind of stuff to uh either do work or personal stuff Mm. and at first it was like oh okay it's great we've got this we can use it which is super useful but then it became really tiresome when you're like oh I've got another Zoom meeting today (laughs) because it's it's not the same you can't read people's body language as easily you can't you, you know, one person can speak at a time. Everybody's got to kind of wait their turn. You know, there's like, it's like a being on an old CB radio where you, you, you know, you have to say over when you're finished <laughs> your yep. what you want to say. So the next person can talk because talking over somebody a little bit is a natural part of human conversation, mm. but doing it like on a zoom call is not, it, it, it sort of, it, I don't even know, it wrecks it. It's, it's mm. hard to follow and hard to understand, so you can't do it. And it makes it more awkward. It's it's not as natural, and it just gets... They're more work, I guess. Mm. But the... People, I think people still, they, they yearn for that in-person contact, and you've seen that, like, with COVID and stuff like that, yeah. people being, like, it's driving them mental, mm-hmm. and... Also, there's just the thing of it's not the same seeing your new grandchild on FaceTime as it is holding them and smelling them and, you know, yeah. all those kinds of things. And it, it doesn't take the place of that. And I think even the in-person stuff right now, you know, if you're in a mask, it's harder to read facial expressions. And I find myself yeah. all the time, I'm like smiling at people and it's like they cannot see my mouth. So <laughs> I don't know. You gotta bring it up to your eyes, bro. Smile with your eyes. Right? Was that Beyonce that said that all the time or was it Tyra? I can't remember. I think it might have been Tyra. And and you can't just, like, you know, put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Like, you know, the usual human interaction things that go along with that in-person conversation has even been, um, like, just impeded. And I wonder how long it's going to take before that comes back. I think it's Mm going to be weird when we're all, like, there's no masks anywhere and I can, like... I mean, do you think that's ever going to happen? Whisper in someone's ear? Like, that's just weird, right? I know. It's weird. I have to say, though, that for the last week I've appreciated the mask because, as I'm pointing to me right now, I have a pimple right next to my mouth, and <laughs> no one knows when I leave the house because <laughs> fully 
covered by a mask, so that is one thing I'm not looking forward to getting rid of. Um, it's you really notice too, like, I work remotely from home for a while, and there is a balance between, like, it's trying to, you know, strike that right balance between remote communication and personal connection, even though, like, I can do my job from home, that's fine, but it's boring, because normally I sit, like, I don't know, about eight feet away from one co-worker and four feet away from another co-worker and we're all in a little we're in a room together right and so to just be like as I'm typing I'm chit-chatting with somebody or you know it's like oh you guys gonna go to the movie and you know whatever Mm -hmm. like just normal chit-chat that you do while you're working as opposed to being in a room by yourself just doing your work you get a whole Mm -hmm. lot more work done probably but (laughs) um but it is it's it's um I find it draining. You just don't get have that normal break of just, you know, oh, I gotta, whatever, run over to the photocopier. It gives you a break to just get up and move, and and you might pass somebody you haven't seen all day, and that kind of stuff. I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm recognizing that you're an extrovert. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because I hard disagree on that. I hate having small talk with people. That is the draining part. I would rather talk to you on a screen and have the ability to click that X and be like, ooh, sorry, my internet cut out, bro. <laughs> I know we can sit in silence for hours, the three of us. <laughs> That's fine. We don't have to keep it up. But, you know, I, that person's there if you want to say something. Yeah, I don't even like that. Sometimes I just need to, like, literally go in a room by myself and close the door for a little while. Sometimes if I've been around my friends for too long, I just go, like, stand in the bathroom for a couple <laughs> minutes because I literally can't handle having all their, like, energy around me for a couple minutes. Yeah. Try being a mother and never getting any time to yourself because there's somebody hanging off of you. And even when you go to the bathroom, little fingers, little fingers under the door. Under the door. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. my youngest is eight, so she doesn't do that anymore. My cat has taken it up. Oh, my, I get up the from the living room. every time for me. She follows me. I close the bathroom door. There's paws under yeah. the door. I'm like, if I... If I go into the bathroom for more than, like, 45 seconds, there's at least two cats outside. I'm like, good grief. I will be out when I'm done. Just give me three seconds by myself, would you please? Where'd you go? What are you doing? What's up? What are you doing in there? (laughs) Can I come? Can I come? Why are you in there? What's going on? If they could, if, in cat speak, they're going, mommy, 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 mama, 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 mommy, mommy. Yeah. What? (laughs) What? Um, I think, though, a a huge bonus of all the people that have been working remotely as well, a couple of things, is that, one, people have figured out that they don't all have to live in downtown in a city to have their jobs, and that has sort of opened up um, living in other areas and doing jobs differently than it was always just assumed they had to be done, that you had to go into the office, you had to whatever, but you don't, as it turns out, or not as often as you... Apparently it's created a massive cultural shift in places like Japan, where they have a hard work schedule of, like, you come in and you do the work, you work hard, you leave kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And working from home and remotely from COVID, a lot of businesses were like, we're not doing that. Are you kidding? That's No, that's not how business gets done. And then they had to do it because it was necessary. And they found that a lot of people were better workers. They did better. They, you know, Mm -hmm. were happier because they got to see their kids every day and regularly kind of thing. You know, it was really great. A lot of places have permanently moved over to remote working, even though they no longer have to do that because they saw such great, you know, upticks in motivation and happiness in their workers. And they were like, good, you know, 10 out of 10. If you're getting your work done, who cares? Right. And and it it really um, pushed workplaces to explore different ways of doing things not only like that Mm -hmm. but to push sort of the technology that was being used and like I work in a bank so lots of people had to work remotely to try and keep you know the numbers of people like in the branch low and that sort of thing like what were we about a year ago-ish year and a half ago Mm -hmm. and it was always the thing of like say you wanted to get a mortgage you had to come in sign the papers you know things had to be brought in they had to be can do those all remotely now because it was just figured out as like do we actually need their their signature or can we do a digital signature that is that is still legal on a contract and yep we can so 
I mean, that makes things way easier. You don't even have to live here to do something like, like get a loan or yeah. mortgage now. You could live in Timbuktu and still bank with us if you wanted to. It's, um, yeah, it's it really sort of pushed the envelope with mm-hmm. that. And then the other big thing, too, is that people with disabilities who weren't able to work in traditional work environments for various reasons, oh, turns out they don't have to. They can yep. work at home <laughs> and do things like that. So I think that's opened up a whole new... Um, you know, avenue of of employers and yeah. employees. Like, on the flip side, though, I have been seeing a lot of stuff recently about how working from home can be terrible if you're the employee sometimes because there's a ton of people being like, my boss asked me to turn off my camera in the team meeting the other day because my apartment was a bad look for the company. Like, it put out a bad image that they weren't paying me enough. And it's like, maybe pay me more. Hey, the phone's ringing. <laughs> Why do you have the phone uh, plugged in in here, man? <laughs> I can't even... You know what? Don't answer it! I've clicked end. Oh, okay. I'm just turning off the ringer. I think You've it. never used a phone before? I thought you pushed the talk button. No. <laughs> I thought you were answering, and no. I was like, I think that's my friend Sarah, Shut. don't answer it! Shut Sarah! <laughs> no, I was just turning off the ringer. Have you never used a phone before? That's how you do that. <laughs> I do know how to use a phone. <laughs> Anywho, carry on. What were you saying? I don't remember. <laughs> That interrupted me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was looking into the things about digital detox because, you know, you see that out there of, like, people being like, oh, I'm going to do a digital detox. I'm not going to use my phone or my, or whatever, screens of whatever type. Mm-hmm. But to be realistic, that's not, re- you know reasonable for most people for any length of time like if you turn off all your stuff for like a weekend yeah yeah but it's not like you can turn it off for weeks at a time because Mm, that's just not how the world functions anymore um 61 percent of people admit to a screen addiction and 25 percent of smartphone owners between the ages of 18 and 44 can't remember the last time their phone wasn't right next to them which I think would also fall under screen addiction maybe seems weird I feel like I lose my phone at least once a week (laughs) safety blanket um, and, and it is, like, researched that it does take a toll on the quality of life being on a screen so much. It overloads your senses. And heavy smartphone use, um, it can cause changes in your brain. Because every time you swipe, it sends a hit of dopamine to the same area of your brain that responds to addictive drugs. Um, and then online, like, social media stuff, it's, there's evidence that, you know... It can cause self-image issues, low self-esteem, sleep problems, depression, anxiety, weight gain, unhealthy eating, lack of exercise, lack of time management, work ethic problems, all those kind of things. So it's it's healthy to take a scheduled break. To, it can lower your stress levels. Um, it help, makes you focus on the present, be more productive, like feel better, be healthier. But you can either do this as, like, a scheduled complete break, like, I do not answer my phone from, whatever, 8 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next morning every Mm. day, or, you know, like, a time frame that you do that, or a weekend or whatever, or it can just be a conscious decision to scale back on certain things, like, um, either particular social media, like, if you feel crappy every time you've used Facebook, maybe don't use Facebook so much anymore, (laughs) or take a look at who you call your friends on Facebook Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, if they're constantly posting stuff that just aggravates you because it's, uh, um, you know, completely opposed to your political beliefs or something like that, and you just want to scream at them, but you can't because you wouldn't do that in real life because they're your neighbor across the street or whatever, you can, you know, go up to those little three dots in the corner and say, don't show me this post, and then Facebook will clue into that algorithm after a bit and stop showing you those posts. So you can adjust those things or, um, you know, or just use it less or don't get, you know, mm-hmm. so so engaged in it. Like, pick and choose what you're going to do. Um, and then the other thing I was, was looking at was, like, in olden times, you had to answer the phone when it rang. I mean, even, like, when I was a kid, there was no answering machines. Those hadn't been invented yet. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when I the phone when rang. F is for family show. It's set in like the mid 70s and it's like they get an answering machine and it's like, 
space robot answering their phone for them. It's amazing. Oh, man. I remember being as a kid, what if one day there's, like, video phones? And it was just such a, like, that would be so Jetsons, like, you know, what would, but what if you're pretending to call in sick for school and they can see you're not really sick and you have to look like you're sick and not just sound like you're sick and you know all those kind of things and now it has come to pass but I mean like as a kid I remember you know you'd be upstairs and the phone would ring and you would like just thunder through the house like launch yourself Mm -hmm. off four stairs from the top so that you could get to the phone before it stopped ringing and now you I don't answer the phone I would say three quarters of the time because if I'm like in another room I'm like yeah I, if it's important, they'll leave a message. Um, they'll call back. They'll call back. Yeah, it's not that same, you know, um, social pressure to answer the phone. And there is a thing, uh, phone anxiety, called telephobia. Mm-hmm. Which I think you might have a touch of, sweetheart. <laughs> 76% of millennials are anxious when their phone rings, and 61% of millennials completely avoid phone calls. I'm not a millennial, so... But that. <laughs> so you're like the fifty percent, a hundred percent of Gen Z. Hundred percent of Gen Zs completely avoid phone calls, and you know there is like the useful thing of just picking up the phone and getting something done. Like I'm just gonna make this phone call. I'm gonna arrange this appointment. I'm gonna whatever. Mm-hmm. It's three minutes and it's done, and you don't have to like stress about it or worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's over with. I think a lot of younger people have not learned that skill. They will just like stress and stress or they'll email like six times and I'm like just phone just phone the place and ask the question you know but they'll answer my email when they get a chance like I was saying before I bet it happened in the olden times where they developed the phone and a bunch of people went but I like writing letters (laughs) and there are just still people that prefer writing letters and people who prefer to use the phone okay you want to text throwback is what you say (laughs) okay I was born in the wrong generation bring me to the time pre-Alexander Bell (laughs) Well, it, it's true that, like, email and even texting, like, it gives you time to think. Like, yeah, many a times I've written a very strongly worded <laughs> angry email, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, don't send it for yeah. three days. What if what if you were on the phone when they had said that bad thing to you and you were just like, well, you know what, you ready, bitch, here goes. <laughs> I'm about to throw down. But I think on the phone people don't do that. I think... I think if you got angry enough, you would. I definitely I, there, have. I, sure, there is situations or people that are more likely to do that. But I think if you... Like, when you write, like, a long email to somebody to, like, rant and rave about whatever, like, word to the wise, don't ever just hit send. <laughs> you can just wait, let it chill there for 12 wait hours. three days. Three days is the rule. Three days. When you write an angry letter to your ex. Yeah. I days. always do the sleep on it. You gotta at least, like, wait until the morning yeah. and feel, you know, if you're still feeling the same way, then maybe it's okay. And it's but if you're good not, to, like... Then, It's very, like, cathartic to write that whole thing and get every single thing you actually want to say out of your system. Yeah, man. Step the voodoo doll. But then you wait three days, and then you write the real email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, phone anxiety, it's like it might relate to that preoccupation that comes with, like, from social media and stuff of, like, what other people are thinking of you. Mm. And phone calls are very, it's like a focused thing. there's no distractions going on you're focused in that moment and there might be pauses and pauses are uncomfortable and so that can also cause that anxiety thing I think it's just a matter though of like there has to be a good way to marry the two because it's like uh, you know it used to be one and then one way of doing it and then you know texting social media all those things came into play answering machines even and now the pendulum has swung very far because of covid yeah and i mean even just before covid it was just like you know our houses are getting bigger we buy more stuff to fill them with Mm -hmm. we have more friends on facebook but less actual friends that we would see on a regular basis our lives are different because of the way that the world exists now Mm -hmm. and i mean the internet had a huge role to play in that i mean how how did things get popular when you were a kid you see it on mtv you saw it in a magazine like you had to be exposed to it in some saturday morning cartoons the commercials exactly (laughs) like you you got exposed to it by some way of media but now with the internet people can watch music videos from other countries that they never would have been able to watch they can order a book from somewhere that they wouldn't it wouldn't have been in their 
local bookstore in the 70s. You know, like, there's things that we are being exposed to as teenagers that put us in peer groups that don't exist where we live. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they we just there's nobody else in town that wants to watch anime, so you're alone. There's nobody else in town that enjoys, you know, Thailand pop, so you're just alone in that. And, like, having the internet means that you can have those peer groups. Yes, you it can means that, peer that group you can have that. Exactly. It means that you can always have those friends and you will always have that social group because the internet has changed so dramatically the way we discover things that we enjoy. Being a teenager and having things exposed to you via MTV, via magazines, via commercials was a totally different experience than seeing something online mm-hmm. and, you know, going down the rabbit hole and ending up finding something that you really like that's totally random and out there and that 12 other people on the planet also enjoy and they all live in freaking Thailand so you can't meet them like you know yeah well and and even things like um COVID's totally changed the way I shop mm. yep it, it's um you know even stuff it's like oh I, pre-COVID I'd be mm. like I'm running out of q-tips put that on the grocery list I'll get q-tips next time I go now because there might not be q-tips when I go to the grocery store because supply chain issues mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always have a full box of Q-tips on standby. As soon as I running out of one, the full box comes out of the cupboard. I order, I order another one. Things like that, like Q-tips and deodorant and toothpaste. I'm like, no, Amazon. I'm not going to the drugstore. Yeah. Um, so that's changed that too, which also changes social interaction. You mm-hmm. know, I used to, you know, oh, I'm just going to go to the drugstore again. You see the same people who work in the drugstore every time, and it's like you might not know their name, but you recognize them and you smile at them and whatever whatever yeah now it's like no I'm just gonna order that off Amazon because Mm. that will come to my door and (laughs) I don't have to wear pants for that so I think that it yeah I mean there was a forced isolation but it has changed society and and some people are totally fine with the forced isolation and actually like the forced isolation or are fine with it and some people, it drives them absolutely bonkers and they're climbing the walls. The true extroverts. Yeah. Yeah. They need people to... Function. To function, to get their energy going. Yeah. Yeah. And... Do not understand. <laughs> I think I'm somewhere in between because it's like, mm. I don't like being around a lot of people, but maybe I'm just bored now. I've been at Fair. home for two years Fair. and... Uh, <laughs> just I'd a bored really introvert. like to go to Paris. Fair. Um, I focused a little bit more on, like, the isolation aspect than the connection aspect when I was doing my research. Um, I brainstormed about various kinds of isolation, from COVID isolation to isolation that may happen if you were incarcerated or in some kind of situation like that. You know, inpatient kind of situations, a mental hospital, you might be just isolated because you're, you know, can't sleep in your own bed. You know, you're just being isolated from your usual life, so to speak. Uh, There's depressive isolation, which you would be doing to yourself, and, like, anxious isolation, which you would also be doing to yourself. You're anxious about going outside, you're anxious about seeing people, what people are going to think of you, talking to people, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's a self-inflicted isolation that's going on. There's mental, personal isolation, like the kind you would get if you were undiagnosed autistic, undiagnosed Mm -hmm. ADHD, you feel like you don't belong. Mm -hmm. There's something Mm -hmm. that's different about you that your peers recognize, but they also don't know what it is. Right, yeah. So you're just the weird kid, you know? You're you're isolated in a sense because of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kids are great at picking out the weird kid. You should use them for diagnostics. Just get an 11-year-old girl to look at someone and be like, oh yeah, he's a weirdo. <laughs> You'll you know should, immediately you if something's check him out. out. <laughs> uh, there's like disabled isolation. Like, my life has not changed much. Right. COVID isolation. It just has not. So you people complaining about it, I was just like bro if you keep going out and ignoring the covid things you are gonna be in my boat because long covid is pretty much pots it's very similar symptoms which you can get pots from a viral infection i assume that some people who have long covid do in fact have pots Mm. if you keep going out unmasked and not protecting yourself this is gonna be your life forever like you're just gonna be living my life which is essentially covid isolation every single day like that's just gonna be how it is for you and it's not gonna be a good time because it's gonna be inflicted because your body is disabled Mm -hmm. that's not gonna be great for you i also uh looked into some religious isolation you know like 
Amish people. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to be Amish anymore, you kind of get isolated from that community. Right. You're not going to be, like, Mormon anymore. You kind of get isolated a little bit. Like, you know, you kind of get pushed out of the group if you decide you no longer want to be a part of it. You're not allowed to be friends with people. You, you know, you're not getting invited to Sunday dinner all the time, especially not in the beginning anyways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one of my friends brought up bad kid isolation. If you are coded as being the bad child in school, you get isolated by your peers and teachers. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like if you are coded as being the disruptive child, as being the bad kid who needs to be put at the back of the classroom to work by themselves, mm-hmm. that, you know, it isolates you in a different kind of way because people don't want to play with you because you're the kid that's going to break the rules. Mm-hmm. They just assume that, you know, and like weird, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Strange stuff going on. Um, ongoing isolation can lead to brain shrinkage and conditions in your brain that are similar to that you would find in Alzheimer's. It can be really damaging to your brain, which I mean, we know that things like that can be really damaging. Having things like depression that go untreated for long periods of time causes brain damage. It causes your brain to function and form differently. Mm -hmm. It's not doing things in the right way. And that's just, you know, (laughs) that's just how it happens when we're not connecting properly. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. When you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're isolated, they're not connecting properly. Which and shows like, how you know, important that human connection is. Yes. It's human like connection is vital to our important. actual physical... Yeah, definitely. Um, trauma is a really good, uh, <laughs> you know, predicator for when you're going to be isolated. People mm-hmm. often self-isolate after some form of trauma mm-hmm. or something bad happening. Um, there's a very standard drug use test that they would do with rats where they would take a rat, they would put it in an observation cage, they would give it water, drugged and undrugged food, and they would observe the rat to see what the drug use was like. They would monitor how much drugged and undrugged water the rat would use. Oftentimes, the rat would go back to the drugged water so much that it overdosed, and that was just how it was. Mm -hmm. There was a guy who was basically like, this experiment is flawed because that led to a lot of ideas about addiction about like people who have addiction problems will keep going back until they die Mm -hmm. they will just keep doing drugs it doesn't matter they have food they'll just they'll just keep doing it It doesn't matter if they're provided for they'll just keep doing drugs and he was like this is flawed because they don't have everything that's like putting a prisoner in isolation for 24 hours a day and then handing them cocaine and saying don't you want to do it a little? Of course they do. They yeah, want to escape the situation they're in. But rats are and, very social. And so he looked at the tiny observation cage, the rat that was by itself, and said, that's wrong. The experiment is flawed. So he ma- built a massive cage, put hundreds of rats inside, yeah. gave them a bunch of toys, a bunch of places to explore, tubes and balls to play with. There was tons of rats. They could make friends. They could fight. They could have sex. They could do whatever they wanted. And they had their food and their drugged and undrugged water. And I mean, they used the drugs, but not as much. And none of the rats overdosed. None of them were like returning over and over and over again and mm-hmm. creating a drug problem for themselves because they had other things. They had things going on in their lives. Yeah. And it really that like rat town. exemplified that isolation is a form of trauma that causes you to seek things, you know, seek comfort in other things. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. We saw that again with the Vietnam War. American soldiers that were in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, around 20% of them used a buttload of heroin mm. during the war. Just a lot of heroin. And I mean, can't freaking blame you. You're in the middle of the jungle right. fighting for your life. You're watching your friends die. Horrible things are happening. I don't blame you for using a bunch of heroin, but Americans were very concerned that all these soldiers were going to return as veterans with extreme drug addictions, and they were just going to be wandering the streets with drug addiction problems. But 95% of those people that were using heroin just stopped using it as soon as they came home. They didn't have withdrawals, they didn't go to rehab, nothing. They just, they didn't need that. They had their families, they had support, they were fine, Mm -hmm. you know? They they were able to cope because they had proper support, they had everything there for them, they had human connection, Mm -hmm. and it was safe, and everything was fine for them, they weren't being traumatized anymore. So, I mean, it's been kind of re-exemplified for us over and over again that isolation is horrible for people, it causes your brain to do bad things to you, why would being, you know, incarcerated or in a situation like that not cause you to want to use a bunch of drugs? Mm -hmm. I can't blame people who do want to use a bunch of drugs. Well, I think even people who are introverts... And mm-hmm. they they still even if you're an introvert, you still need to be around people. Yes, and it's yeah. still you know it's good for you to <laughs> even though you want to say no, I'm not going to go 
you should just say yes because <laughs> you know it's good to do stuff once in a while yeah and I mean I think when it comes down to it it's important to treat things like that with just like compassion and connection when you have drug addiction problems the solution is not to punish that person and to you know not allow them to get jobs and to not allow right. them to do things and to punish them further every time they stumble it's you know they need connection they need support they need you know mm-hmm. they need something besides being observed in a tiny room yeah. with nothing but food you know it's it's incredibly detrimental for people to just be provided for mm-hmm. what was that experiment where the guy wanted to discover the language of god so he just had babies like cleaned and bathed and fed and they all died because they weren't getting enough interaction like you know yeah. we need connection it's Which incredibly is disturbing that that was allowed but yeah. anyways <laughs> whatever kings will be kings <laughs> can't really do much about history on that one man they just did whatever <laughs> but i mean it's so important for us to be connected to people for mm-hmm. us to have that you know and it you know gets disrupted for so many reasons in so many ways yeah well, and you look at it, the start of COVID, too, of, like, people were like, yeah, we're, you know, all the commercials mm. on TV, we're alone together, you know, we're all gonna do this together, yes, it sucks, but we're all, we're all in it for the greater good kind of thing to, to stay home, and, you know, yada, 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 and now people are just like, okay, I know there's still, like, a thousand people a day dying, but it's less, it's less, it's less is good, right, so can we just stop this now, because they're just, it's been two years, and people are just, like, mm-hmm. you know, climbing the walls they can't stand it anymore yeah i know and i mean like i feel for that you know i i grasp that some people just really need that connection more than i do and that this is horrible for them Mm -hmm. that it's devastating for their psyche that it is really ruining them mentally and i don't discount that at all but when you are going so hard that you are basically aligning yourself with anti-mask values it is not it for me because you know here's the thing more than anything in the world do i want every single person to come out of covid unscathed Mm -hmm. i don't want anybody to die from this but when you're anti-mask or when you are so fed up with not being able to go to bars and see your friends at concerts that you're saying i don't care if i kill myself and i don't care if i kill your grandma then you know, my compassion is kind of over. Yeah. I want everyone to come out of this unscathed, but if you're willing for there to be casualties, then I hope it's you. Like, you know? <laughs> like, if if you're willing for there to be casualties, if you're willing to look me in the eyes and say, I don't care if I kill your grandma, then I hope you're the casualty. Like, yeah. I hope yeah. that nobody else gets hurt except for the people who are willing to get hurt. Well, because I, that's I feel so how it's bad for, be. like, health workers, too, that oh, they're like, yeah, please, please, just keep doing it a little while longer. We're, we're close. We're almost there. You know, yeah. Yeah. Got anything more? Uh, not really. Just okay. Isolation is a terrible time for everybody. Yeah. So, and, you know, it, I guess it can so- be deadly and it feeds itself. If you're isolated, then you tell yourself that you deserve it and then further isolate or, you know, yeah. there's some reason to keep yourself further isolated. If it's depressive, you deserve this. Look, nobody's even checking in on you. You're so alone, blah, blah, blah. If it's anxious, it's like, you're horrible. Why would you go outside? You know, there's tons of different things that your mind's going to be running through if you're isolating yourself for whatever reason. And it's just, it's deadly mm-hmm. and it feeds off of itself when it's self-inflicted isolation like that. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens as the world does move out of covid because we're now at the point where restrictions are being dropped and yeah fingers crossed this is for real this time because it's happened i don't even know how many times where it's like oh no we're good now and then two weeks later not so much and they all come back again but if it if it really is the end of it and things are easing and stuff it'll be interesting to sort of see how people react and how long it takes to go back to sort of the way things were before it started in terms of um, those normal social interactions and stuff that are, well, they've just been weird for the last couple of years Mm -hmm. because they've not been feasible. So, you know, even being with somebody, but you're wearing a mask, you know, like that just creates a whole different, it creates a different thing. Mm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes to go back. Will it be like, a week of being weird and then it's all back to the way it was or is there going to be lingering effects or in the way we communicate mm-hmm. you know with technology and stuff like that is there going to be um 
long-term changes or, yeah. or things like that. I mean, I read an article the other day where doctors were wondering, you know, like I said before about the isolation and addiction thing, if there's going to be extreme drug use issues afterwards. Are people starting to use drugs because they're isolated, that they are hiding from their families because they don't have to see them? Mm. And, you know, once everything comes to light that we're going to have a whole bunch of people that we need to treat because they've started self-medicating with something. Right. Yeah. They're, you know, dealing with alcoholism. They're dealing with drug addiction issues. They're dealing with smoking marijuana far too often and using it as a crutch. Like, it's, you know, something's going on in their lives that they're hiding because they can isolate to a degree right now. nobody's there to really watch them. Yeah, you to, know? to see it happening. And, like, I went to inpatient and I did not go for addiction problems but I obviously met people there who were there for addiction problems mm -hmm. and they had this kind of like session thing I don't know where a lot of people were like they asked them to thank their addictions because they help you get through things sometimes mm -hmm. if you had a traumatic experience and that is what bore your addiction that might have helped you through something that may have killed you otherwise you know like mm -hmm. it's okay to thank your addiction for helping you through something that you know it got you to where you were now to where you can now be treated for that and deal with all that trauma that had that happen in the first place but mm. you know I thought that that was a really unique way of looking at it yeah about like your addiction can get you through extreme times of struggle that yeah. may have killed you otherwise so it's okay to thank your addiction now that you are getting treated for helping you deal with those times when you were not ready to deal with your trauma yet. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's a good way to look at it. And I just want to say, like, if anyone is dealing with anything like that, where they're, like, drinking a little more to cope with the isolation that they're dealing with, or they are doing something else to deal with the isolation that they're dealing with, like, understand that your treatment for that kind of thing would be something that would happen when you are ready for it and like that yes. when you are ready to deal with the things that you are feeling that is when that is lucrative for you it's never something that you should be pushed into or forced to do right. before that time because it's not going to be as helpful for you yeah you know like way less chance of it working. take your time if you're dealing with those mm -hmm. kinds of things but understand that obviously like all of us time is limited yeah. so you know well, I think that uh, wraps it up then. Yep. Um, what's our email address again? <laughs> uh, adulting but not grown up at gmail. Gmail.com. There you go. Okay. I guess uh, we're, ve we're very bad at ending these, I've noticed. But yeah. so I'm just Maybe we should just end it on like a peppy note. Do you want to like recommend a song or something for someone? <laughs> Oh god, have I ever listened to music before? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the worst ending. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna recommend This Is Us on Netflix. 10 out of 10 series. I watched four seasons in two weeks, so Ooh. enjoy that. <laughs> I just watched Unorthodox on Netflix. Recommend that one. That was okay. Yeah. Maybe not as cheerful for it both was of our recommendations, not... but here we are. Well, it was like, yes, you did it kind of thing, but okay. not cheerful. So, um, yeah, okay, I guess that's it. We're outie. Okay. Bye. Enjoy your further isolation, everybody. <laughs> right. Almost there. Almost there. Bye.